it's exponentially harder, but it's exponentially more rewarding to be a parent and to be a father. I knew I wanted to get to that place. I am so lucky in the fact that every single morning, I get to hug my kids when they walk downstairs. Welcome to The Art of Fatherhood, a podcast that takes you on the journey of fatherhood. Now here's your host, Art Eddy. This Art of Fatherhood podcast is being brought to you by Evolution and their Father Coaching Group. Being a parent makes you a more effective leader, and being a leader makes you a more effective parent. Father Coaching Group's helps you integrate your most vital roles so you can scale your effectiveness and show up as the person that you want to be both at work and at home. This group is facilitated by Peter Gandolfo and Ed Cito, globally credentialed executive coaches and fathers who have lived experience of parenting sons and daughters respectively, including young children's, tweens, and teens. I actually had a chance to interview Peter and Ed. You can check that episode out over at the Art of Fatherhood podcast, where we talk about their father coaching group, the benefits you can receive from it, and their fatherhood journey. The coaching group includes leadership training that is tailored for your personal development and personal growth through guided peer coaching, accountability, and novel frameworks. Evolution is Silicon Valley's premier executive coaching firm. Go to evolution.team, click on programs, and look for the Fathers Coaching Group. You can also email ed and peter at ed at evolution.team or peter at evolution.team what's going on everybody already here for another edition of the art of fatherhood podcast i'm very happy to have the one and only joy harrington thanks for taking some time to out me sir how you doing i'm doing well i'm doing well thanks for having me on yeah man looking forward to chat with you i think you're a great guest to have on the show because one, you're a dad. Two, I'm into sports and I'm into sneakers and I'm into t- especially telling my kids how to pay it forward and be examples, right? You hit all those boxes, sir. We'll be talking about your great foundation. Well, foundation. so it's been fun. I guess we got it. You know, it's been nice. We hit it all and we're out. Yeah, right. right? <laughs> Quickest podcast interview ever. No, but yeah. there's so many great things I want to talk to you about, but let's talk a little bit about fatherhood first, man. When you found out you were going to be a dad, what was going through your mind? Oh, man. It was honestly something that I'd been wanting for a while. Or I should yeah, I shouldn't say wanting for a while, but 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 looking forward to getting to that point of of life. You know, that I hear a lot of people say like, "Oh man, I miss my 20s or I miss, you know, god, I miss being in college." Yeah, sure, of course. It's exponentially harder, but it's exponentially more rewarding to be a parent and to be a father. I knew I wanted to get to that place. I will never forget when Emily, my wife, uh, told me that uh, she was pregnant. We were in Atlanta. It was, I was with the Falcons and we had come back from a road trip in the preseason and um, she had a little, um, you know, a little something waiting for me to, to open. And and it was so wonderful. Um, you know, one of those moments where you know that your life is going to change and, um, but only for the better. And then, uh, you know, to be able to tell my parents and her parents, you know, we sent little, little onesies in the mail, like, cause they were back home in Portland and we're, we're in Atlanta, just the two of us. And, um, yeah, it was, a it was a fun time of life. That's for sure. Love it, man. And, um, like I said earlier, man, you, you know, hard work, dedication, Anything like I said, paying it forward with uh, your family's foundation, the Harrington Family Foundation, man. So I think a lot of values are all about like paying it forward and helping out those in need. But I don't want to put any more words in your mouth. Talk about some of the values you're looking to instill into your sons as they're growing up. Um, I, I think the first thing is is to recognize how lucky they are, how lucky we are. I mean, let, let let's be honest, like. Um, not just because of the NFL, um, but even before that, like we come from a community and, and um, like not talking about finances, you know, grew up in a, just a good old middle-class neighborhood. Dad was a teacher and, and, you know, mom had a small architectural business, you know, she would do kitchen and bathroom designs in the neighborhood out of, you know, she had an office upstairs point being that we grew up in a community where everybody looked out for each other 
right? You, you knew you had a place, you knew you had somebody who was always going to be there for you. So to answer your question, like, I want them to understand how lucky that is, right? Yes, we're, we're lucky that we don't have to worry about a lot of the things that other families do because of the NFL and the life that that has afforded us. But take that away and we have a support system. Mm-hmm. We, have, we have friends and family that we can share connections with, that when things go sideways, we have somebody to lean on. Um, and there are so many people that don't have that, you know, that that's number one that I, that I want to teach my kids. And and, and I think that through that comes, comes empathy, you know, this idea that um, by realizing how lucky we are, I can then understand what, try and understand what somebody else is going through, right. To understand that, um, not everybody has the same experiences that we do. So to come into situations open and respectful and willing to listen, um, willing to engage, um, I, I think that's a that's a really that's a really important trait to teach your children. Um, you know, don't make an assumption about somebody else. Don't. Don't think that their situation is the same as yours. Don't think, don't, don't assume that they're thinking what you are and realize that their perspective and their, their life experiences shapes their perspective and be willing to listen to that and understand and take that into consideration. Love that. Yeah. Thank you very much. And then, oh man, like the fact that like you said, taking football aside, taking the NFL and just seeing the, the support system, right? I think that's the, one of the biggest things. Like, I think kids want to feel like love they want to feel like their people are there to care for them right and like the fact that you like you that is something where you know it's you on your and your wife's mind we're like this is what we want to do i love that and talk about something that and just you know just chat right now with you man you're just very introspective and taking a look at the grand picture of life which i like for you what is something that your kids have taught you either about yourself or about life that maybe you didn't know was there but your kids brought it out in you <laughs> how much time you got um one first thing that pops into mind patience patience um because again like just because i can do it or i can see it or i understand this is how it should be done or needs to be done or we have to be out the door or you need to be dressed, or we can't be late, doesn't mean that they have that same understanding. (laughs) So when I get upset because we're late for the appointment or school starts at 8.15, and they all they see is dad yelling at me, right? You know, when they don't understand, like have that perspective of the whole case. So patience, right? Take a deep breath, be patient, and communicate right? They have taught me how to communicate in a way that um, I'll say is very basic, but incredibly helpful, Mm. right? Yeah. I see, what I see is Emmett ignoring me, right? (laughs) What he sees is, man, this book is awesome, (laughs) right? (laughs) Yes. And so, hey, I need you to go do this. I said, I need you to go do this. What? I'm reading a great book, dad. Uh, Okay. Thanks for sharing that with me. Okay. Now I need to communicate with you. I need you to do this and this before we can do this. And this is important. Can you hear me when I say that? Uh, Yeah, I get it. I see that you're also reading this book. You really enjoy it, don't you? Yeah, I do. So what do you say you read that book for five more minutes and then we have to move. Okay. I can do that. Right. It's that very basic, clear communication that like you break it down to like this molecular level of this is what I need. This is what you need. Oh, I observe this. I notice that. So they've taught me how to communicate. Nice. Uh, they've also let me, taught- let me ask you this though. I love that. Let me ask you this though. 
we have, we both have two kids. This sounds like the actions of my youngest. Is this your youngest child? Yes, you exactly. And that was going to be my next point. That was literally going to be my next point is that same, same recipe. Yep. Completely different kids. Right? <laughs> so just because one communication style works with your, you know, with one child does not mean that it's going to work with the other child. And oftentimes you have to assume that it won't. Right. So I can talk to my oldest this way and I can talk to my youngest this way, but no way is it working in between. Like that is also what they've taught me, like how to, how to communicate differently to different people, yeah. right? To understand that it's not one size fits all. And um, oftentimes as adults, you're just kind of expected to, you know, hey, show up at work at eight o'clock and get your work done. If you don't get your work done, you're fired. Therefore, A, B, C, D, bam, you're out. You go home, you pour yourself a glass of wine, you rinse, repeat, and you do it again. And now it's Saturday, you take a deep breath, you do laundry, and now it's Monday again, right? <laughs> it's it's that that is that's how the adult world works but that's not how the kid world works and to be the type of father that i want to be which is receptive nurturing yet also instilling the values of you know respect and timeliness and cleanliness like on all the things like these are the things that i want to instill in you they're teaching me okay great you have to communicate that with me in different ways yeah. because if i just come in as like the the hard and fast like get your clothes on get your you know 20 years from now they look back and say man dad was a jerk well what'd you learn i don't know that he just got really angry all the time like what what's my end goal right i'm trying to instill these values instill these life lessons instill this love this 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 understanding that you have people in your corner that love and respect you and you need to do these things to be a responsible you know when you grow up to be a a responsible young man i have to communicate communicate those things in different ways oh joey well said man yeah everything you said right there is awesome it kind of bleeds into my last question before we get into your foundation and football and all that other good stuff that you're doing a lot of people can take away things you said as great pieces of advice or dad hacks. But again, if there's a new, like one of the emails, the typical email I get, especially it's like, Hey, became a new dad. Didn't really want to read a book. I know there's podcasts and I love your podcast because like, it kind of gave me like a break, uh, like a little preview into fatherhood. So long winded to say piece of advice for new dads, listen to this or a dad hack. What would it be? Piece of advice. Um, Throw everything you thought of out the window and listen to your wife. <laughs> I mean, like, cause, cause, and, and I say that tongue in cheek, but there is a, there's an intuitive nature that mothers have, mm-hmm. right? There is this connection that they have with the children that they've just given birth to, Right. And oftentimes as fathers, for those very same reasons that, that um, you know, I talked about a second ago, like it's A, B, C, D, E, D, D. And when you're working with a two-month-old, like, hey, kid, you're supposed to be asleep right now. Like, hey, th- okay, th- it doesn't quite work like that. Be flexible. Okay, so maybe that's what it is. That's instead of forget everything and listen to your wife, it's be flexible, right? Yeah. Be comfortable being uncomfortable. Yes, because that is the that's the key for about the first two years is is it's like oh my god what in the world did i just get into yep and if you try and fix it or you try and understand it or you try and label it and say you know this is this is how i'm going to attack it literally the moment you figure something out is is the moment that they that they throw you a curveball right <laughs> And so you have to live in this world of constantly adapting and changing and learning and understand that that doesn't mean that you're a bad father or a bad parent or a bad person because you don't know. Yeah. Right. It's okay not to know. And it's okay. You know, 
it's okay to be sitting there literally with a, a child who is screaming at three in the morning and you don't know how to get them to stop. Yep. That's okay. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you're doing it wrong. And it's okay to have your kid come home from school and say, you know what? I got in a fight with Timmy and Timmy's a jerk and I hate him. And then I fell on the playground and I got a, I, my teacher gave me, didn't give me a gold star at the end of the day. And, um, and I hate Sesame street, you know, like, and, and you don't have to feel like a failure because your kid had a bad, it's okay to say, to, to not know what to say in that situation. Yep. Right. It, yep. it doesn't mean you're a bad father. But rather sit in that situation, sit in those moments and say, what's he trying to teach me? Or what's he trying to tell me? I should yeah. say, yep. what is he trying to share? What is he, what are, what are they looking for? And how can I provide that? Yeah. Um, be comfortable being uncomfortable. Love it. Great piece of advice right there. And something you said about not, you know, knowing how to, calm your child from crying right like remember my oldest she was probably nine ten months right had the you know crying in the morning like crying in the middle of the night trying everything diaper nope all these other things swaddle all these things nope had an ear infection you know didn't really like i checked the temperature but I, at that point she didn't have a but like if she was upright like in one of those like little bouncy seats she was fine and it took me no joke, like 45 minutes to realize that, but you're like, like you said, learn what they're telling you, especially when they're nonverbal. So it's three in the morning, 45 minutes is an eternity. Like, <laughs> go, back, go back to bed. My yeah. oldest was the, same, was the same way. He ended up having like, you know, it was never, it probably had like some sort of reflux that we looked back and it's like, oh my God, because we would literally had an exercise ball, you know, like the, the, um, yeah. the video balls and we'd have to bounce like him vertical and like at all. And so it's two in the morning and I'm like doing squat jumps on top of this ball with like, <laughs> like what in the hell am I going, what's going on here? Like this is, so yeah, it's, everybody's going to be in that situation. Uh, love it. Great, man. I love it. And again, um, you know, I got to give a shout out to Jeff Antonella. Uh, he's been on the show a couple of times, friend of the show, but like he's a mutual friend. You're doing this great campaign to support education. And I think as as you as your kids go through schools, different school systems, whatever the case may be, just like you were saying about how lucky we are to be in a place where we can feel loved and we can feel like there's attention on us, right? Schools, man, you always want to give so much respect to teachers, faculty, and staff. And especially during the pandemic, we all realized like, man, these, these, these teachers do a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> education is huge for you guys over your foundation. Mention Jeff because he knows I'm a sneakerhead. He's a sneakerhead too. You went to Oregon and that was a place where Nike, you know, runs like Supreme and all that. I'm a big Jordan fan, grew up in the 80s and 90s. You're giving away uh, a, a raffle and it all goes to your family foundation's um, raffle to support education in Oregon. These these sneakers are legit. Like everybody, like sneakers are huge. And for people who don't know, Tinker Hatfield um, works so close with Michael Jordan. You are doing a really cool campaign. I'll let you talk about it. But when I saw this, I'm like, I hope you like triple, quadruple your goal because these sneakers are legit. When they're player editions or foundation editions, which you have, which is not only do you have college Even smaller, editions, yeah. But you have family foundation edition Jordans, man. That is so cool. So talk a little bit about your foundation and this raffle, sir. Okay. So this is how much time you got here. Um, so I'll, I'll start with the foundation. Um, you know, I started the foundation when I got drafted uh, back in 2002. Um, it's a funny story I like to tell. I knew that at some point, because of what we talked about, like, I knew that I had been helped. There are so many people that helped me get to the position where I was when I got drafted that I knew at some point I wanted to give back. I, I wanted, I, that's what I wanted to do when I was done playing. I didn't know what that looked like. You know, I'm a 23 year old kid. And, you know, so I started, a, I took my signing bonus and started a foundation. Um, and we literally gave small grants to anybody and everybody. Um, you know, we, 
We built a science lab at St. Agatha uh, grade school in Southeast Portland. We gave soccer balls to kids in Uganda. Like we literally like covered the gamut of everything um, just to, you know, to, to survive until I was done playing and, and we finally had a focus. And so I retired and, um, you know, there was a, a president of a local bank who had, who had helped us in years past with some of our fundraisers and I went to him and I was like, all right, here we go. Let's do the foundation thing. And he looked at me and he said, Joey, I love your passion. I love the fact that you want to give back to your community. But if you're telling me that the money I give you, you're just going to turn around and give to boys and girls club. Why wouldn't I just give it to boys and girls club directly? And I said, that's a good question. I'll call you in six months. <laughs> and so I went back to the drawing board and I, and I, I asked myself that, those questions like, what is important to me? When people think of me, what do they think of? How can this be personal? And, and, and I came up with this idea, okay, look, if you're thinking of me, you're thinking of playing quarterback, being from Oregon, quarterback is a position of leadership. I you know, left for a while, I came back and I came up with the idea of a community quarterback scholarship, right? A community, a scholarship that is based on community leadership. And so what we do is we give four, four-year college scholarships to graduating high school seniors from everywhere around the, uh, around the state of Oregon. And our cr criteria has nothing to do with grades and test scores. It's financial need and community leadership. How have you invested in your community? And then, you know, anybody can write a check, right? And like I said, I, I recognized the value of having a community, a support system behind you. I personally think the biggest part of our, our program is our mentor board. So I have a, a, I put together a board of, of mentors. We have 11 mentors currently. So we have 16 students in school uh, all around the state, not just at Oregon. We've got some, at, we've got some beavers. We've got some, some at Oregon State. Um, <laughs> but then we connect them with mentors in the community. And we have people on our mentor board from at Wyden and Kennedy, at Nike and the financial ind industry and the wine industry. We have state Supreme Court justices. Um, you know, one of our mentors was, you know, the, the dean of the University of Portland Nursing School, like trying to cover all of the, the different areas that our students would be interested in so that they too can have access. So they can have a, a family, a network, right? Because that's the thing that so many of our students don't have is yeah, they don't have the finances, but then they don't have a they don't have a network. They don't have a, they don't have a support system. They don't have somebody to call to say, hey, I'm looking for a summer job. I'm looking for an internship. Whereas you and I have someone, hey, you know, hey, hey, Bill, um, you know, Bill at Wyden and Kennedy. I got, I got, uh, my son is looking to uh, get a summer internship. Yeah, his application's coming through. Sure, I'll take a look at it, right? So much of life and moving forward and moving, moving ahead is based on those relationships. Yep. So we're providing students not only a four-year scholarship, but access, access to people in industries that, I mean, are, are heavy hitters in industry and the ones you named heck yeah <laughs> yeah and, and and to be able to sit the you know to see these students so every year we have these family dinners so the next you know we we honor our graduates and that class of graduates then becomes a resource for the next group of students and then the next graduates become right so we have we're in our 10th year of the program right i just, so, just want to say something right there like the the knowledge you guys having not just for the real life mentors in the real world but keeping the people who were just in the program speaks volumes it's gonna be a weird analogy but like people talk about like how you know tony romo is great or, or you know um like uh, greg olson are great at like being the colon commentators because like they're kind of closer to the game as maybe other people were right right because they can they can relate to what's going on and the fact that you guys have like the people who were just helped out and now they can help out the people who are just coming in not that, you know, not that you guys don't know like what everybody's going through, but like, that's such an awesome resource just to have because like, Hey, I was there like last year. Trust me. Right. I love that. So I didn't, I didn't mean to cut you off. But I just it's somebody to connect to. That's literally all it is. So every year our family grows, like what started as, you know, four students, <laughs> it was four students and, um, 
Dave Frommeyer, who has since passed away, he was the president of the University of Oregon, former attorney general at the, of, this, of the state of Oregon. He was our first uh, mentor. And the four students and their parents and Dave Frommeyer and I sat in, the, in a, a restaurant and I said, all right, one, two, three, change the world. You know, and, you know, it doesn't quite work like that. You know, it takes time. It takes yeah. time to cultivate relationships. But what started as, you know, the 10, 12 of us in that room has turned into family dinners of 85 people. Wow. Right? We have five years of graduates, four students per year. There's 20, 20 alums. We've got, um, you know, 11 mentors. We have our current 16 students. We have people from that aren't technically mentors, but from the businesses that that contribute to us, like that, that help us fundraise. They want to come and be a part. Like all of these people just want to be there to help open a door. And that's what's so wonderful. And, you know, to transition, one of our, our, our second mentor was actually Tinker. And so Tinker Hatfield was, was one of our original mentors. Um, and for a whole host of reasons, one, because he's incredibly busy and never stops, you know, working and traveling. And second, because, you know, he's a little bit, woo, you know, he's a, he's an artist. Um, you know, we were like, okay, Tinker, you know, probably not the, this probably isn't the best use of your, <laughs> he laughed that I said that, um, you know, probably isn't the best use of your skill set. but what yeah. he has, again, like, this is the thing. I talked to him a few years ago about doing a Jordan shoe uh, for the foundation. And he said, sure, I'll, I'll, you know, that's something we could do. And he put together, like you said, five pair of Jordan one retros in our foundation colors with our foundation logo. Um, they are sick. <laughs> and, and said, all right, here you go. You know, and I sat there with these, these shoes is like, how do I capitalize on this? Like, how do I, like, how do I truly like, this is so unique. And so I sat on it for, for a little bit until um, he showed up about two months ago at the door and just kind of ding dong. Cause he lives up the street. Again, that's the whole like community, Northeast Portland, like looking out for each other. And he shows up with a box and he's like, Hey, these are the Jordan 14s that I just did for the, um, for the Oregon football team, for the Alamo Bowl, I want you to use them for the foundation. And he signed them. He's like, you can, you know, you can do something with, uh, as a fundraiser with these. I was like, you bet I can, because we had just run a raffle with uh, a barrel of bourbon actually in the fall. I was like, now I finally have a platform built out where I can take these Jordan 14s that, you, you know, are one of 275 that were, you know, Oregon PE for the, for the football team and pair it with one of those, uh, Harrington family foundation, Jordan ones that you did put them on this raffle and say, you know what, for 25 bucks for a $25 ticket, you have a chance to literally have like the Holy grail of, of sneakerheads, like nope. <laughs> uh, 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 a limited edition. And when I say limited edition, like 275, that's a, that's a small run five like a run of five, like there are literally five of these shoes that exist in the world and they're just sitting there just, yeah. you know, in the closet over there. Yep. Um, signed by the guy who designed what he was Jordan three through 15. Uh, and then would come in on a couple, you know, he did 23, he did, you know, but not just the Jordans, but God, all the, um, you know, uh, trainers, all of those like eight maxes, all, I mean, yeah. everything. Yes. So he is a, he is an icon in the sneaker world, but he's also our second mentor and he's also part of our community. And he also wants to help further our mission. So like, it just was this perfect marriage of people, resources, commitment to community, like that, like he just exemplifies all of that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, this is, this is a really unique fundraiser that now I'm trying to, trying to figure out how to get the country to pay attention. Cause you know, I can get the Oregon ducks to, to buy tickets, but God, you know, it's, it's tough trying to sell raffle tickets in, uh, in Tennessee and, uh, <laughs> in Pennsylvania when I'm out here in Oregon. No, but I, I think what you're doing is fantastic and the, the mentorship and all that, but just again, as a sneakerhead, like you look at the value, like 20, I, and I saw some of the interaction with me. It's like, oh, I can't even probably buy the laces. Like, if you get in for $25, you're in. 
Like, yeah, that's, and that's people, people think that we're auctioning these off. It's not an auction. Not an auction. It's like you're bidding, you know, if you're going to go on to stock X or something or buy it at a, you know, at an auction, sure. You'll probably pay five, you know, if someone was really generous, they'd probably give five, 6,000 bucks or something like that. It's $25. It's a $25 raffle ticket. And right now, you know, I, when, when this airs, you know, I don't know what the sales will be. Hopefully, you know, we're completely sold out, but we're not. Like we are only at like 12% of our goal and we've capped 5,000 tickets. Like the Department of Justice, another funny thing. I I go on tangents. Um, I had to get a Department of Justice gaming license in order to run this because a raffle is considered gambling. Okay. We are now the Harrington Family Foundation Hotel and Casino. Um, And so but point is i had to cap it like all right what's the maximum number of tickets you're going to sell five thousand no more than five thousand right now we've sold 700 nice so for keep 20 it going, just keep bucks. it going like the like the idea of like the the air air force one's tiffany's like they did a thing with the diamond company right yeah, those were okay. selling uh, retail for four for four hundred dollars like you mentioned StockX, people are flipping them for like twelve hundred dollars and it's like like, here's the thing, like, these are like, the 14s are very iconic. They're actually based out of Jordan's uh, Ferrari, right? Ferrari, but now yeah. they got the Oregon colors, they're awesome. And you got Tinker, the guy who created these shoes, signing the 14s and also obviously the ones, like the one that started, you know, this whole, like, there's a new movie coming out with Damon and uh, Affleck, right? Yeah. And they're talking about that. Just to jump in there, like, Tinker also did an original piece of art. So he, in this raffle, you get this original Tinker, Tinker Hatfield artwork. So he did, he did the sketch of the shoe, which, you know, says all the details of it and, you know, says one of five. And then he also did an original piece of art, you know, his computer graphic. He's like, this, this would probably help in which he does, you know, points out like, Hey, here's the Ferrari logo. Here's the Oregon colors. Here's the dot like that. So yeah, this isn't just shoes. This is, this is Tinker Hatfield artwork as well. It's legit, man. So yeah, we'll definitely put up links and people just, you know, buy tickets. Cause this is such an, like for, for, yeah, we need, like, I, I love the fact that up rocks and some other people have been like in the sneaker world have been sharing this. I know Jeff obviously has a good reach as well. So love what you're doing. A couple more questions before we finish off with the father who quick five. All for right. You, what was like the biggest transition from college to the NFL? Cause playing Oregon, man, like not saying that it's, like just like playing in the NFL, but like that's a huge school. People have their eyes on on you and all that other stuff. But for you personally, what was like the biggest transition from you know college to the NFL? Um. Well, first of all, I'll say that Oregon now is not what Oregon was then, right? Let's not forget that I'm old. Um, you know, I've uh, it's been twenty. It's been twenty years since I pl- since I I played at Oregon, and that's that's an eternity in college football. Um, you know, see these bags under my eyes. That's kids. Got, we're that's- on the same age. And when you said twenty, it hurts, man. It hurts me in my soul. I'm like, yep, <laughs> yep, yep. We're old. Just 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 accept it. Do your kids call you Boomer, by the way. Yeah, no, not yet. Thank you. <laughs> there, I would say there are two things that are that were the biggest transitions one physical and one, one mental, um, you know, physically, it wasn't so much the speed as in, it, I would say that it's the speed of the game, but it wasn't so much the speed in terms of people are running faster. It's the knowledge and the anticipation. Mm. Right. And I'll never forget the conversation I had with Rod Woodson after we played the Raiders and he's on the end of at the end of his career, he'd moved from, he wasn't playing corner anymore. He was playing safety, you know, and I got up there pre-snap and knew my route, knew my knew the coverage. I was like, okay, I got it. Perfect. Just the look I want. Green 90 hat, you know, look over here, come back, pull the trigger on the route that was that should have been open. And Rod Woodson steps in front and boop, picks it off. So I went up to him after the game and I, I was like, all right, you know, I, if it wasn't his last year in the league, it was close to it. And I was like, all right, you got to help me. You know, I think that was my second year in the league and help me learn. And I asked him like, what did I do? Did I tip something off? Was it my eyes? Was it my feet? Was it the receiver split? What was it? And he, he just looked at me. He's like, no, kid, you know, I've been, I've been doing that route for 14 years, every single day in practice. I'll be damned if you, uh, if you're going to beat me on it. I was like, oh, 
Okay. So you just knew what I was doing before I did. So cool. Um, the other piece too is, um, I came in really naive. Mm. I did. Um, I came in naive to the fact that, and I knew it was a business, right? Everybody says, oh, you know, oh, it's a business. Well, what does that mean? And for me, it meant kind of getting rid of these ideas of not necessarily teamwork and camaraderie, because those are extremely important to to winning. But understanding why those things exist in the NFL, right? I didn't play well. I mean, let's be honest. Like I, I spent four years in Detroit and and really didn't play good football. But I felt like even in those situations, you know, when my receivers ran the wrong route or when my offensive lineman missed a block, like I'm their teammate. So I, I, you know, I stick up for them. I take the blame. I, you know, I deflect. And in the NFL, that's not really the case. Right. And, and, and I felt that, I would say isolation or felt that burn pretty heavily. And it was a, it was a wake up call to realize like, okay, uh, I didn't do my job and, and consequently other people didn't get money because of it. Right. We didn't go to the playoffs. So people didn't get playoff checks. All right. So that's what the league is about. That's how you build camaraderie, right? You're able to connect and build that, that, that chemistry once you've shown you can play, right? Because that's the key is who's going to be on the field and who's going to get me my money. Yeah. Who's going to put me in the best, best position to be able to get another year of my pension, to get another salary, to get another contract, to get, you know, whatever it is. And that's the basis for everything, yeah. um, which, you know, in, in a business, I, I get it, right. You've got a small earning window. You know, it's not like you're playing enough of football for, for three decades, you know, yeah. it's your Tom Brady, you know, then he, then you actually do play th- football over three decades. Um, and so that was, that was a big piece to understand that it wasn't just team and camaraderie for the sake of team and camaraderie, but it was, um, I'm here to get my money, which was, which was always kind of a, I never really played that way. Like I never had that idea that I have to get to the NFL. I wanted to, I wanted to play in the Rose Bowl. Like that was my, that was my ultimate prize. And everything after that was just kind of gravy. Like, yeah. Oh my God, I made it to the NFL. This is incredible. Oh my God. I'm the third overall pick. This is absolutely incredible. Um, but it was never the end all be all for me. And I think that, um, you know, it, it is for a lot of people. And, and I think I was naive to that fact. Really appreciate the honesty and openness. And, you know, I think now more than ever, the veil of, you know, that sports, once you get into the pro level, it is a business. And heck, now with NIL, like, it, that's like, they're kind of like an idea of like, hey, you oh, can't. Don't go here. This is another 30 minute podcast. Like, <laughs> this, this is, yes, it is. There is college football as we know it is done, gone completely. Yeah. You ain't getting it back. Cause I was just hearing you say when we first started talking about football. Like as a fan, like I appreciate the game and the sport, but like now just hearing you say that and like now everyone's like, yeah, it's a business, it's a business, it's a business. And like, I understand that. Like you, you, like you hundred percent, like the way you play, your leader and all that stuff affects everybody. But then also too, it's like, well, there's management and like ownership and what are they doing? Right. But it, it feels like it'll fall on you if, if something will happen. But like, I don't know, like I really appreciate it. Here's, here's the thing that's a business. If you make a mistake on the field, they can literally cut you tomorrow yeah. and not pay, yeah. pay you a dime. They don't like contracts are not contracts. Nope. It's a framework by which we should pay you as an NFL player, right? Yeah. And so you get more, you are more connected as a player. You're more like sealed in for a contract than the than the than the team, right? As a quarterback? Oh no, just as as a player. Like if you have a contract, you really can't go anywhere, but they can cut you oh, right oh, yeah. away, right? 
Yeah, no, ab absolutely. You can't go anywhere, but they can get rid of you if they don't want you. And that's the business part is like, you will have a teammate who is sitting in the locker next to you on, on Sunday. And then on Tuesday, their family is living in Cleveland and their kid is in a different school because he made a mistake. Yeah. And, and somebody else takes that locker the following, you know, the following week and you just move on. Like that it's it's a very cutthroat business. Crazy. Yeah. And, and just the idea of especially in college too, playing a game you love and there's a passion for it, then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, you can have fun, but there's a lot more things that are expected. Like, I don't know. There's just it's like all of a sudden, like it turns into all business, which I understand it should. It's professional, I get it. But that that must be also a tough transition too, where it's like, oh, like you 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 detailed it brilliantly. Um we're gonna finish off with the father quick five. Favorite family. What is what is okay? What's what's the fatherhood quick five? What is this? So this is just a rapid fire five questions at the end of the at the end of the podcast, just to kind of. So I don't I don't get to think about. I don't get to think about them. You want me to think about it? You can think about it. Favorite family movie? Do you guys have one right now? We're a Harry Potter family. Oh, nice. Okay. Oh, yeah. We actually just watched Ford versus Ferrari the other oh. night, which my youngest loved. Um, yeah. But yeah, we're a Harry Potter. If, if we're if we're gonna lock in, like, yeah, we know our houses. We read the books. Like, okay. Like, let me ask you this then. Like, what are your yeah. houses? Because my dog. I'll tell you, my youngest Hufflepuff. My oldest and I are uh, Ravenclaw, and my my wife is a Gryffindor. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, my oldest and I are Gryffindor. My <laughs> youngest is a Hufflepuff. And my wife is actually, I mean, I think she technically came in as like a Hufflepuff, but I think I, or no, no, sorry. She, she came in as a Ravenclaw. You know, that was her, that was her, her, uh, when she took the test, but she has a lot of Hufflepuff tendencies. Like okay. there's, there's a lot of Hufflepuff in there. So we have, we have two Gryffindors, a Hufflepuff and a Ravenpuff. That's how I, you know. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I don't know if you guys are into video games, but we just got uh, Hogwarts Legacy. That we, game is legit. Ah, uh, we're a Nintendo house, and so uh, it's coming later. It's coming later. It, okay, yeah, they will be all over it. But I know it didn't come out for Nintendo. Yeah, we held off on the video games until COVID, and then it was like, all right, we, <laughs> we got to have something to look forward to at the end of the day. <laughs> nice uh favorite genre of music or band that you couldn't wait to introduce your kids to oh uh ooh. okay two um i say uh, my immediate was dave matthews band because i've been to 20 concerts wow. um had i not played in the nfl i would have just um followed dave in like a camper van all over the country um <laughs> and again one of those things like in the nfl like i gotta meet him i was like I was so completely starstruck. Like, I gotta meet Dave Matthews. And I gotta sit on the headsets on the speaker on the soundboard uh, when he did an hour, had Neil Young came up come out to do an hour-long set. It was like, and I'm sitting there in the in the headphones, like listening to him talk to each other. I was like, oh my. <laughs> um, so Dave Matthews, because I love I love everything about him. Um, but genre, I would say jazz. Oh, nice. I'm a jazz, I'm a jazz uh, piano player. I wish I used to be. Um, we used to have like a little trio that would hire out through like, you know, it was probably started in like seventh or eighth grade hiring out. We did our first gig was a, uh, the opening of a credit union down the street. But here's what I love about jazz is the flexibility, right? The, the way that all of these instruments hear something different and come together. Like, here's what I hear. Here's what I hear. How do we put that together? Um, and what's great is like, you take like that jazz and you take that, that, that music. And I should say that I'm not big into like computer music, like, you know, house, like, or any, you know, a lot of pop, you know, R and B has the computer beats, but I love groups like the roots. So you can take that jazz and then, you know, now you're into, you know, now you've got real instruments and like, there's that connection between like, well, dad, no, I like rap. Okay, great. Why don't you listen to these guys? You know, why don't you, why don't you listen to Questlove, you know, play a little something on the, like, oh, I like that. Yeah, you do. Don't you? Like, so let's appreciate, um, you know, we can appreciate 
the music that you like, you know, and that's awesome, but let's appreciate the musicianship of somebody and be able to take like the craft that they, that they are, have been able to um, perfect. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, my youngest, she plays saxophone and it's just like, we've had more of appreciation for jazz since then. So love it. Uh, perfect family vacation. Where would it be? Probably the Oregon coast. You know, it, that that's the thing. Like there's so much, you know, California has beach, Oregon has coast. It's scenic, it's rugged, it's rough. You know, you may have a day that's, you know, 75 and, and sunny with no wind and you just, you know, it's glorious. And the next day it's blowing sideways, right? <laughs> Blo- uh, you know, sand is like getting shot into your eyeballs. But, you know, on those days, like you go and you hike, like one of those, you know, one of the incredible, you go hike, you know, Neocani Mountain that looks out over the top of the, over the top of the Pacific. You go down into, you know, down to Jetty Fishery and and pull out, you know, pull Dungeness out of the crab pots and, you know, and, and literally just like dunk them in butter and, and just eat them off the dock. Like nice. take a day and, and go play a, a little, you know, the little, muni golf course down the you know down the street or or then just read a book on the on on the deck um yeah i i sounds amazing i love it i'm more of like a like a lake slash mountain type of dude my my oldest is the same like me and then my wife my youngest love the beach and all that but what you said was sound amazing (laughs) so nice that's combo Um, favorite pair of sneakers of all time and also favorite golf course of all time Ooh. Well, obviously the the Jordan One Retro Harrington Family Foundation. There you go, hands Step down. <laughs> I mean, it is kind of cool, like uh, to have our foundation logo on a Jordan. I was like, all right, that that's awesome. Um, but that one out of uh, excluded. You no no no. Let me just say something. You don't have another one. That is perfect. If I have my own shoe <laughs> from the Jordan line, like there's an art of fatherhood sneaker that was in the Jordan line. Like I got married in the 11s. I love the fives. So like if I have one, okay, like, well, here's what I'll say. okay, hold on, hold on. So here's what here's I can answer it like this. I can say what are my favorite Jordan designs? Okay. Yep. And pro- I'll say it in order. Three, nice. eleven, nice, one, four, five. Nice. Great list. Or yeah, some of the twelves, but probably f- probably five. Nice. Well, that that's how I answer it. So you can get all sorts of you know, I got some I got some of the really cool the, uh, well not the premium one. I'm trying to think of the uh, what it was, but they're like that baroque leather with like all the copper and gold, like uh, the ones like those are really cool. But you know, yeah, probably probably the Harrington Family Foundations, which I'm you know raffling off. Did I, did I say we're raffling these off? Yes, you are. <laughs> uh, oh, favorite golf course? Oh, Bandon Dunes. Bandon Dunes. I mean, I literally live, I mean, again, I've had the chance to play um, some unbelievable golf courses. I've played at Pine Valley. I've played at, um, you know, I've played at Pebble. I've played it, you know, like down the down the list. I haven't played Cypress. So if anybody wants to invite me to Cypress, you know, or Augusta, <laughs> you know, they're just throwing it out there. Um but it's got to be banded because um, I love what, and we host a, we've hosted a foundation golf tournament down there for, this will be our 11th year now. Nice. Uh, and I love what Mr. Kaiser has done in that he's literally built five world-class golf courses, but done it in a way that's true to the Oregon coast and true to, um, it's not pretentious. Like Oregon is not pretentious. You're going to, you're going to Bandon to play golf. You're going to abandon to play golf, eat a burger, have some meatloaf, you know, have a beer, you know, in between rounds and then sit by the fire and, and drink some whiskey. Like, oh, you're not, going, you're, you're not going there for a spa. You're not going there for, you know, to be pampered or to be in like some sit like that, that's Oregon coast. And one day you're going to get, like I said, you'll, it'll be 65 and sunny and beautiful. And the next day you will literally get rain coming sideways and going into your ear hole. But you know what? Deal with it. Like, yeah. Um, and, and I, sh- and I've shot my two best rounds. I've played my two best rounds at those courses. Nice. Uh, 
Yeah, I broke. I broke. No, I didn't. I missed a four footer to break seventy Ooh, last year oh. at Bandon. I missed a four footer on seventeen. <sighs> but yeah, not sticking with you at all. Not. St- <laughs> no, not at all. No, not that I can see the putt still. And I was like, <laughs> just hit it, just hit it in the back of the cup. And I left, you know, and I decelerated and it just broke across the face and lipped out. Not that I uh, remember. And lastly, let's enough for the better note. Uh, top three words you hope your sons would use to describe you as a dad. What would you want them to be? I would like them to say that he listens. I won't say, you know, I guess I'll expand and say that like he tried to he listened and he tried to understand Mm. um he was respectful Mm. he tried to instill that respect um in me and 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 tried to get me to respect others um and honestly like this is one that i think is really overlooked or maybe um maybe not quite as accepted maybe a little bit more now in in fatherhood but um that he loved me nice right you know i i'm i'm gonna be honest like i am so lucky in the fact that every single morning i get to hug my kids when they walk downstairs yep and the i my oldest has now had to come down to the step one step lower because he's taller. Uh, <laughs> my my youngest is still on the top step, and they'll they'll wait for me at the bottom at, at the landing right there. I'll hear them come down and, and they'll wait for me. And I, I every single morning I give them a hug and I say I love you and I'm proud of you. Love it. Um, and yeah, I want them to know that that I loved them, and that's I think that's important, especially for a father to. Uh, to not be afraid to to tell your kids and to show your kids that you love them. That's okay. Yeah. Great three words right there. Listening, respectful, and also loving. Uh, people, make sure you follow Joey on Twitter, Joey, the number three, Harrington, and go to Instagram over at Harrington Family uh, FDN for foundation. And check out his website over at HarringtonFamilyFoundation.org. Again, thank you for taking, you've been very gracious with your time. And also I appreciate what you're doing, not just for your family, but for the different communities, man. And then the idea of, like I said, community is so strong in your family, man. I love that. And you're looking to help out others. Such a great way to like, not only talk the talk, but walk the walk with your sons. I wish you and your family continued success. And thank you for your time, sir. Yeah, my pleasure, buddy. Thanks for having me on. I want to thank Evolution for sponsoring this episode of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. I really appreciate the work that Peter Gandolfo and Ed Cito are doing, not only to help dads be great at home, but also be better in the workforce. Make sure you check out their fatherhood coaching group by emailing them at ed at evolution.team or peter at evolution.team. And while you're on the internet, make sure you check out the Art of Fatherhood website over at artoffatherhood.net. You can check out podcasts, reviews, the Dad's Doing It Right column. You can win prizes, all that good stuff. And When you listen to the podcast, please rate, subscribe, and review. And I appreciate your support as I try to promote good fatherhood examples all around the world through my podcast and articles. Thank you again. Thanks for listening to the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts and go to artoffatherhood.net.